This recording is protected by copyright. Duplication is prohibited by law. Tonight I want to speak to you about how we develop strongholds. Amen? And we're going to have a little fun. Is that okay? A stronghold is an attitude that dominates your emotions. A stronghold is a mindset that overrides your reasoning. We all sometimes do things that we really afterwards ask ourselves the question, did I do that? How could I possibly have done that? I'm not just talking about sinful things. I'm talking about stupid things. How in the world did I manage to do that? It's in total contradiction to the Word of God and total contradiction to the desire of my spirit. But I still managed to do it with great enthusiasm and success. The problem is that you are acting out of a stronghold. Strongholds are areas in your mind that have created responses, reflexes. Let me explain to you. A person cuts in front of you on the highway. Suddenly there is a response within you that is rather ungodly. You've just come out of a time of worship and prayer. And you've had this real intimacy with Father. You could swear there were angels in the room. And then this ungodly person with a fish on the back of his car cuts in front of you. And suddenly you find yourself using words that you don't find in the Word of God. Does it make sense? Suddenly you have a moment out of a stronghold that have not been dealt with a stronghold of anger you find yourself saying things that you are ashamed of hearing yourself say you are so thankful there's no one else in the car at that moment and the rest of the day you take off in repentance before God seeking to resolve the issue the problem is it happened and you find yourself that it happens repeatedly. Because repeatedly there are people out there that are not as courteous as you would want them to be on the roads. My wife and I sometimes have a talk about this. Because I'm by nature a very patient person. Contrary to your belief. And she would say to me, did you see how that person cut in front of you? I said, yeah. And what are you going to do about that? Nothing? Really? It deserves some action. My wife's the fiery one in the family. I said, I don't want to play in the mud with him. I have no desire to play with him. And then, of course, that's the end of the conversation. Because suddenly she realizes he's asked me to play in the mud. It happens because there's a stronghold in our minds that has not been dealt with. It is unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. But we do it. It's a stronghold of behavior that triggers a response within seconds. And we know that we know beyond any doubt that this is not born out of God. Let's look at the power of strongholds. Strongholds is something that you build in your life. It's not built by society. It's not in your genes that you've received it from your parents. Some people say, you know, I'm just like my father. It's not something that is forced upon you by circumstances. It's the way in which you handle thoughts over a period of time. I told you yesterday, thoughts are the bricks of the house you now live in. It's either a palace from which you reign and rule, or it's a prison that keeps you captive from that which you can become and have to become in God. And so you handle these thoughts over a period of time and you build what I call a fast track 
to response. And without thinking, you produce a response and a result at a given moment, pending on that particular instance. Let's talk about the race issue. Someone of another race has hurt you in the past. Whatever that hurt might have been. And a total, complete stranger of that particular race says something to you in a mall or something or some store or some different place and all of the anger pertaining to the last incident rises up. Why? Because as you meditated upon the instance and you thought upon it day after day, week after week, you establish in your mind a stronghold of how to respond in an instance of that nature. The Word of God is very clear. Do not let the sun go down over your anger. Why? Because when the sun goes down, it's too late. Because you've spent too much of your day meditating upon the problem. Also when it's dark, the problem becomes compounded. The mystery of darkness. And so the word of God counsels us. Do not let the sun go down upon your anger. You personally build and handle thoughts and develop in your mind certain fast tracks to responses. Satan knows which of these fast track buttons to press in your life. He's been to your house before. He knows the entrance into your life. And so he will constantly use those fast tracks of, of entrance into your life to seek to frustrate the purposes of God in your life. We have strongholds in many, many areas of our lives. Strongholds, as I told you last night, are both positive and negative. We have strongholds about money, strongholds about sex, strongholds about power, strongholds about authority, strongholds about praise, strongholds about worship, strongholds about how we respond to matters pertaining to racial interaction, strongholds about politics. In possibly every area of life, we have strongholds, either positive or negative. And so it's essential for us to understand how we relate to these strongholds, because they are either a stronghold established by the Word of God, or a stronghold established in our previous life outside of Christ that has not been dealt with. We build strongholds by consistent thought handling. And over a period of time, a stronghold is built in that area of your life. And it's either good or bad. You have to take personal responsibility for every stronghold that exalts itself in your life. You built the thing. You deal with it. Strongholds may or may not be built upon a conviction in your spirit. You can build a stronghold in your mind that has nothing to do with the revelation of scripture. For example, a person may have a stronghold in his mind about physical exercise. You have people that will spend hours upon hours upon hours in a gymnasium pumping iron. I used to pump iron. You can see that, hey. The chassis is a bit bend, but everything else still works. <laughs> I used to be a powerlifter. And we used to spend hours in the gym, lifting weights, demonstrating our physical strength when I was still ignorant. But that is a stronghold in your mind that has nothing to do with the revelation of Scripture. Because you take a decision about a certain thing in your life that you want to do. Not every stronghold is a revelation of Scripture. Not every stronghold is based upon a rhema word of God. 
some strongholds we built in our minds because some people have strong wills and is able to exercise that will outside of a revealed word of God. Convictions in your spirit determines your believing, but strongholds determines your behavior. That's why we have conflict between what we believe and how we behave. I said to you last night, because we are both of the dust realm and of the divine realm, we sometimes act schizophrenic. Your convictions is what you build about the revelation of the word of God in your life. You have a conviction about finances, for example. A conviction about how to handle finances. A conviction that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. That is a conviction that needs to be built in your spirit through meditation, through reasoning, through studying scripture, through a compounding, compounding revelation of scripture until it is impossible for you to remove that understanding in your mind. Then it's come by a rhema word of God. And that is a stronghold in your life. The Bible says that we have to teach our children when we sit around the table for our meals at night, during the day, teach them, open the scriptures, show them the mind of God, bind it on their foreheads, so that they can understand the principles of the word of God. It's important. But outside of that, strongholds will determine your behavior. We can stand here week after week, teaching you about finances, but if you do not allow the Word of God to penetrate your mind and alter your belief system, you will not be able to act upon the Word of God and begin to become a believing believer about finances, for example. I know, I've been in the church too long to know that not every person that is in the church is faithful in finances. Statistics teach us that about 20% of the members of a church carries the finances of a church. In other words, there is 80% of a church that does not have a stronghold in their minds about faithfulness and finances towards God. 80% underperforms in the kingdom of God. 80% does not achieve the mind of God for their lives. Is it therefore uh, a surprising thing that the kingdom of God does not advance at the speed, the rapid speed that it did in the book of Acts? There was a revelation in the book of Acts in that church about finances. The Bible teaches me that those who had more than one property sold it and took the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles because they had a revelation about finances. The Bible teaches me that no one in that church lacked any good thing. There was a revelation about finances in that church. So powerful was the revelation that when someone who sold a piece of land and wanted to cheat the leaders about the value of the land, they dropped dead. That's how powerful the corporate revelation in the body was about finances. You've got to allow the Word of God to establish strongholds in your mind because it will be fast tracks of obedience in your life. In the same way that strongholds in the negative realm are fast tracks of disobedience to God. A lot of people can believe one thing, but they behave the opposite. Is it true? Yes, it's true of every one of us. Because believing is from the Spirit. But behaving is out of the strongholds. There's a lot of frustrated people around. People come for ministry. And we pray for them. And we lay hands upon them. And they leave the church. Often unchanged. Because they are not willing to change their mindset. About God. About His word. About His purposes. About His desires for their lives. People are looking for quick fixes. Oftentimes people come to me and say, 
Can you prophesy over my life and tell me what God's purposes is for my life? I say, indeed, yes, I can do that. God's purpose for your life is to spend time in prayer and fasting and wait upon Him to tell you what His purpose is. Then they turn away very disappointed. Many people want to use the office of the prophet for witchcraft. A refusal to spend time with Father. We will not facilitate that sin. We'll send you right back to the manufacturer. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. You still with me? Alright. Chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's just stop there. Three particular things here. Pulling down our strongholds, casting down of imaginations, and bringing every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God into subjection and bringing every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. First thing, thoughts, impressions, suggestions, revelations that come to us all the time. Thoughts are continually coming to us through the natural order, through your senses, your touch, your feel, your sight, your hearing, your emotions. Thoughts are coming all the time to you. These thoughts are both coming from the realm of the Spirit, from God, and these are also coming from the realm of the darkness, from Satan. Constantly thoughts are coming at us. And we need to be able to understand the origin of the thought. And we need to be able to understand how to deal with every thought so that we can grow in the purpose of God and maximize our purpose in the kingdom of God. So we need to understand, Paul says to us in Corinthians, we are able to pull down strongholds. We are able to cast down imaginations. We are able to bring everything that exalts itself above the mind of Christ down into captivity. We are able to bring into subjection every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. At the same time, you have thoughts coming from the spiritual dimension. You have godly convictions, godly desires. You have words of prophecy. You have dreams. You have visions. You have fathers speaking to you in an audible voice. You have the word of God coming to you. And now you need to be able to distinguish the origin of the word and be able to deal with every word and every thought accordingly. Thousands upon thousands of thoughts come to us every day. And we need to think upon that and be able to decide, is this a thought that seeks to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ in my life? Is this a thought that wants to bring me in line with the purposes of God? Is this a thought that wants to lead me astray, away from the mind of God for my life? How will we be able to deal with this successfully? By understanding the will of God for your life. If you do not spend time in the word of God, you cannot understand the will of God for your life. So this is going on the whole time. And you've got to do something with all those thoughts. Otherwise, you'll go mad. You've got to have a place where you can bring it into obedience. So we must bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When thoughts come, and you are being tempted, and the devil knows what to tempt you with. As I said earlier, he's been to your house before. He knows how to access your mind. He knows which are the temptations to which you are most probably going to succumb to. He's a master craftsman at tempting. 
He's been on the planet longer than any one of us put together. He comes from the presence of Father God. He's most jealous of every believer whose destiny is the presence of God. He will do everything in His might, in His power, to keep you from becoming what God wants you to be. Satan doesn't mind that you sign a decision card at a rally. It's when you begin to come into your purposes, when you begin to come into an understanding of what God wants you to be, what He wants you to do, that you become a threat to His kingdom. He will then assign personal demonic assault against your life. Because you've become a threat to his kingdom. If you don't bring your thoughts into captivity, the Bible says those thoughts start to exalt itself in your life. A temptation comes for you to do something. If you don't bring that thought immediately into obedience to Christ and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to meditate upon this evil. I take it captive, I cast it away in the name of Jesus. But if you begin to meditate upon this, it begins to exalt itself in your life. As you think upon it, you meditate upon it, you now begin to engage your senses. You begin to feel, experience in your emotions, sense in your smelling the experience of actually doing the sin and as you engage your senses and you meditate upon this temptation it begins to exalt itself in your life and as it exalts itself and you continuously meditate upon it it becomes a stronghold in your life until it becomes a fast track of act of entrance into your life through Satan. That's how a stronghold is established. It starts from reasoning. You begin to reason with yourself. You say, that's not so bad. You know, it's not really so bad not to bless God with my tithe. It's not so bad. Look, the church is doing okay. Just bought a new truck. That's purchased land. Pastor Tom and Sister Edna and priesthood is going off to Africa. There's money floating around. They won't miss my tithe. Doesn't sound bad, does it? Or my offering. Oh, my little offering. Why would it be such an important thing to God? And you begin to reason with yourself. And you talk with yourself. And you walk in the malls with God's money. And they do all kinds of things. And before you know it, you've spent God's money. And you come ashamedly to the house of God. Because you've failed yet again. So you form reasoning and arguments why it's a good thing. And as you reason and you argue, it becomes a high thing. It becomes, and you begin to convince yourself of the beauty and the good of this. And as you let that go... It kicks over and it starts to invade your imagination. You begin to see yourself spending God's money. You see that beautiful dress in that expensive store. And if you were just able to use this money as well, you can actually afford to upgrade your dress. Or you see that beautiful suit. Or you know, that more powerful car. If I'm able to hold back this tithe, I can afford a more higher payment on a more powerful, more flashy car. And people will truly know that I am blessed of the Lord. Because I have evidence to support my argument. So you begin to see in your imagination and you go down to the local car dealership of your choice and you ask them for a brochure of the car. And you put it up on your wall. And you begin to make spiritual warfare. And say, in the name of Jesus, I receive you. In the name of Jesus, 
I thank you, Father, for this bountiful blessing. And you begin to act upon it. And you go down and you sign the documentation. And you take delivery of this vehicle. And for the next 12 or 24, 36 or 48 months, you just can't bring God's tithe into his house. Unless by some supernatural intervention, God comes and visits with you. And repossess the car. And freeze up your money. You see, once it gets into your imagination, it fires up your emotions. And then it's got you. You've got to give in to it. The next time that thought or that button is pressed in that area of temptation, a track is starting to be worn in you. And you are able to, Satan is able to fast track responses within you. Responses of disobedience. Because he's accessed your mind to build a stronghold of disobedience against God. See, long before you realize that there's a stronghold of authority in your mind, and the enemy comes to say, I have got a fast ticket into your life. Thoughts become high things. It gets into your imagination. It causes behavior. And over a period of time, those thoughts develop a stronghold of thought habit in your life. I have a person now in the local church who said to me over the last number of weeks, every time I want to have a meeting with you. I know what the agenda of the meeting is. By supernatural revelation. I know what he wants to come and talk to me about. He wants to come and justify the fact that he doesn't die. And he's going to have a very brief meeting with me when I finally find the time. I will quickly counsel him to find another person to try and influence against God. I was in prayer recently and I was saying to the Lord, how do I get this bunch of rebels saved? I've inherited this bunch of people. They are nothing of my doing. Lord, what do I do to get them saved? And I was speaking to the Lord about finances, about the tithe and the offering. And then something came into my mind which I thought was rather bold. But then, as I meditated upon it, I thought I was actually going to do this. So the Sunday morning, after the worship, I stand up to take up the offering. I said, today, we will bring separation between the goats and the sheep. All those who honor God with their tithe will use this basket. And all of those who do not choose to honor God will use that basket. And I will ask God's blessing upon this bunch. And that bunch is out on a limp. Needless to say, you could hear a pin drop in the house. They thought I've gone bananas. They thought this guy had it. He's had one too many. <laughs> Do you know what? Every week the sheep walk to this basket. And every week the goats walk over here. The Lord said to me, bring financial transparency in the house. And do you know what? One of these days when I'm at home, I'm going to build a spreadsheet in Excel with all of their names and all of their giving. And I will put it on the overhead and show them what their faithfulness looked like. For you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Hear me? Let's have a little fun. A lady goes down to the shopping mall. This is the lady's part now. She have in a purse the money for the weekly shopping of the family. She enters the mall and she has to walk past this particular store where they sell these designer dresses. She has some time on hand and so she stands in the window. Innocently. Just standing there admiring this creation. 
as he stands there, she begins to visualize herself in the house of God with this beautiful dress. She can see herself taking up the offering, standing in God's house, displaying the provision of God. However, her family have taken a decision weeks ago to begin to save up for a family vacation. Something much needed for them as a family because they've gone through a difficult time and they need to spend time together to have their relationships restored. At that time, all she can see is the beauty of the stress. Her imagination kicks in. Her emotions kicks in. She can see herself strut with this beautiful dress. And before she knows it, she's inside the store fitting it on. A perfect size for her. Well, she pays the cashier, leaves the store, delighted that God has been so good in blessing her today. Then she remembers why she came to the store. And with whatever money she has left, goes and buy a jar of peanut butter and whatever is left and takes that home for her family. Needless to say, when her husband comes home, he's highly blessed by his wife's ministry to herself. That week they spend time with marriage counseling for he's ready to throw in the towel. Then comes the following week and she decides to enter the mall from a different angle. She will not allow herself to be tempted again to fail her husband and her children. They will not again walk to school this week for there's no money for gasoline in the car. She will do the good thing. And as she walks into the mall, she passes a shoe store. But these, these shoes were specially designed to go with this dress. <laughs> There are no other shoes that any decent understanding woman should wear with this dress. She paces outside the store, begins to pray in the spirit, <laughs> begins to motivate herself to walk past the store. But a magnet draws her in and she buys the shoes and a matching bag. Needless to say, that week, she's in the mall again, this time looking for employment, because her husband has cut off her supplies, and he's in the mall himself doing the shopping. Let's do the men. You're down at Miami Beach on holiday with the wife of your youth. You're sitting on the beach, and out of the water comes a perfect ten. For a moment you behold the beauty of God's creation. You begin to worship God for the perfect way in which He made this one. You begin to wonder about all the perverts on the beach. And you jump up because you want to protect her from possible assault. You see, in any way, Satan is able to find access into our minds and lead us into disobedience to do the thing that we know we shouldn't do. Do you know why? If you have not built a stronghold in your mind to love the wife of your youth. Oh yes, a few things have gone wrong. The force of gravity has caused a spread that is not in the same way that it was when you first married her. There's evidence of aging. Much time is spent in the mirror daily to combat the assault of nature. If you've not built in your mind a stronghold to love the wife of your youth. To respect the mother of your children. To give her the highest esteem. 
you will find yourself drifting in your mind, being tempted by Satan to entertain thoughts unbecoming a saint of God. Until that thing becomes a high thought, a strong hold, and you find yourself in the local news store in the wrong section. Godly men find themselves reading material unbecoming God's people. Why? There's not a stronghold of obedience and submission to the wife of your youth. Amen? Yes, that's how strongholds work. That's how they manifest themselves. That's how they overcome us and exalt themselves in our lives. How do we build a stronghold? We create a conviction. We get a godly passion for life. If you do not build a conviction in your life about your family, about your wife, about your children, about your place of employment, your place of worship, the spiritual leaders God has given over your life, if there's not a strong hold of obedience and submission and revelation in your mind, Satan can access you at any time. Look at Jesus in the wilderness in his time of prayer and fasting and preparation to be thrust into ministry. Satan comes to him. Satan knows he's the son of God. What does he tempt him with? Power. If you worship me, I'll give you all of this. Why do you fast? To establish more power in your life. Satan comes and tempts him at the level where he's at. But Jesus' response was, it is written. If you do not understand the counsel of God's word, as I said to you last night, you have nothing to retreat into when the assault of the enemy comes. You must have strongholds of obedience in your life. If you do not have strongholds of obedience in your life, there is nothing to which you can take the thoughts captive. The Bible says taking every thought captive, bringing it to obedience in Christ. You cannot do this in a vacuum. There must be revelation and understanding of what it is that God expects from me. So you must build a conviction which will fire up your passion for your family, health, marriage, finance. You must get a conviction that you can build something on. Secondly, you've got to start to renew your mind with God's word concerning your conviction. Let me give you an example. I've been struggling to build a conviction for the last two, three years about a major challenge in my life. My youngest daughter came to me one day. She said, Dad, you fly so much. Why don't you buy your own aircraft? I thought, why does Satan tempt me? I said, my darling, yes, sometime in the future. He said to me, where is the faith you are preaching about? I said, Father, I cannot get my mind around this one. I've been for my pilot's training. I didn't finish it. I couldn't see myself flying my own aircraft. I couldn't see myself buying an aircraft of five, six, seven, eight million rand. I couldn't get my mind around it. So I'm struggling to renew my mind around God's provision for me to have my own aircraft. There are many things in our lives that we are struggling to renew our minds about God's provision and purpose and blessing for our lives. We would rather believe the lie than believe the truth 
of God's word. Because it's much easier to believe a lie for it takes no energy, no passion, no enthusiasm to believe a lie. But to believe the truth, you have to have your mind renewed, challenged, changed, brought in line with the purposes of God. And that takes work, it takes energy, it takes commitment, it takes work to begin to believe God for what He wants you to have and what, what God wants you to be. And so, it's a struggle in your mind. I begin to thank God sometimes. I say, Father, I thank you that I will no longer have to sit in airport lounges for hours and hours waiting for connecting flights because you have purpose for me to preach your word and many nations, Father, I thank you for my aircraft. In my mind, I begin to visualize the layout of the cockpit, the layout of the seats. I begin to see space for staff, space for cargo, to take materials into the different nations where God will allow me to travel. I say, Father, thank you for a staff that will fly my aircraft, wash my aircraft, put it in my hangar. Father, I thank you that at short notice I'm able to go. And then in the middle of my prayer I said, what are you doing? Wake up! Smell the roses! Do you see what I mean? And then I start again. A day or two later, I begin to renew my mind. Father, thank you. I begin to buy aviation magazines. I read them. I look at the prices. I say, Father, thank you. Thank you for this challenge. Thank you, Father. I'm able to do far exceedingly more than what I can begin to imagine or dream. Let me tell you something. If it takes no faith to live your life, it's not worth living it. When God comes to your house, He looks for faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. If there's no faith present in you, there's no currency to convert into the things that God wants to give you. You've got to build a stronghold in your mind. I looked at this truck today. I went in a ride for the first time in a truck of this magnitude. I've always admired these Peterbilts on the road. I've traveled more miles in America than the average American, I think. I've traveled to 25 states by road. I've come across many trucks on the roads. Beautiful colors. And I've developed an admiration for these trucks. But I've never driven in one of them. And as I was meditating upon this today, I was asking myself, what did it take this ministry, Tom and Edna and those that is a part of this church and those that God used to bring about this reality of this vehicle? And I felt Holy Spirit say to me, they developed a stronghold in their minds of the possibility of God manifesting himself in this way. If you do not have in your mind a belief of the ability and the possibility of God doing something in your life, it is impossible for God to do it in your life. I told you earlier, in the same way that the negative works, the positive works. You begin to thank God. Father, when I was here the last time in 99, Pastor Tom said to me, I have this vision of having a truck with this trailer. And it falls out as a platform. And the people traveling with me, being able to dramatize and doing skits and plays to show and demonstrate the love of God. I have a vision to have a satellite dish on the roof that I can broadcast directly anywhere. I thought, yes, this 
is incredible. But I don't have the faith for it. For I don't have the revelation for it. When I spoke with him on the phone several months ago, he said to me, that truck, it's a reality. You know why? He won't let go of it. It became a stronghold in their mind. Every time they came before Father, he talked about the truck. He said, Father, remember my truck. Remember my trailer. Remember my desire to spread your gospel. To touch the nations. We spoke about it today. He asked me, can you visualize this truck rolling off a big ship? I said, yes, I can see that. I can see the truck rolling in my nation. I will personally navigate the truck off the ship. I'm no stranger to ships. I bring hundreds and hundreds of containers into my nation every year. I will personally stand there. And like a, a ground pilot at an air thing. Whatever it takes, I'll learn to bring that truck in. Because I can see lives changed by that stronghold. Amen. It's important for us to know that we need to allow God to renew our minds. That convictions can be established through the word of God. You can believe all you want. But if you don't renew your mind, it will never happen behaviorally. God said, what you possess in your soul, you possess in your life. The scripture clearly teaches, beloved, I pray that you may prosper, even as your soul prospers. It's now been months that the Lord has been ministering to me on that one verse of scripture. He's been saying to me, son, unless your will and your intellect and your emotions can embrace my purposes, you can believe all you want, but it will not happen. Because I can only prosper you to the extent that your soul prospers. Have you wondered why money comes to you and then it doesn't stay with you? Did it happen with you as well? Because you tithe, you see, and God honors His word, and He bless you. But then the money doesn't want to stick to you. It seems to leave. As someone said, my money talks. It keeps on saying bye-bye. Do you know why? You may not like this. A fool and his money soon separated. He said, but I am a spiritual fool. If you do not renew your mind in the area of what Father wants for you, you can receive the blessings of God. But if there's not an administration suitable to administrate the blessings of God, it will not remain in your life. If you study the scriptures, you will find the Bible teach me that he, Jesus, must remain in heaven until an administration suitable has come on earth. The kingdom of God must come in your life. The kingdom of God is nothing more or nothing less than the divine order of God in your life. And as that order comes, with it comes the provision and the blessings and the ability of God for your life. Just as the negative, it works in the positive. You have to take your negative thoughts captive to something positive. You have to allow those thoughts to start to exalt themselves. Not against the knowledge of God, but to increase the knowledge of godliness and to empower the godly revelation in your life. Now the thoughts are becoming stronger. They're becoming high thoughts as you begin to believe God. Father, I thank you that you want me to be blessed. I thank you for the Abrahamic covenant 
that you have in my life. Thank you, Father, that I'm able to tap into an age-old principle of tithing in your house. I thank you, Father, for the benefits. I thank you, Father, for the provision. I thank you for the protection. And you begin to study the Word of God around the subject in which you want to allow God to build a stronghold in your life. If that stronghold is in the area of healing, restoration of health, you need to study the scriptures around the subject and allow a stronghold to be established in your mind. If the area that you need to strengthen yourself is in terms of marriage and your relationship with your spouse, you need to study the scriptures around that subject and allow God to build a stronghold in your mind around the subject in which God needs to bring salvation and healing in your life. When you allow these thoughts to kick into your imagination, your imagination begins to fuel your dreams. You begin to see yourself happy in your marriage again. You begin to remember the days when like innocent children you ran on the beach and enjoyed its other's company. You remember the days when you couldn't spend an hour away from each other without phoning and saying, hey, where are you? What are you doing? I miss you. You begin to Remember and call to remembrance the things that caused you to fall in love to begin with. And you renew your mind around loving the wife of your youth. Have you noticed in the scriptures God never instructs the wife to love the husband? It's an automatic trait of women to love their men. He always speak to the men. Because they go down to the beach. So many Christians don't understand that God-given ability within them. That ability to visualize. Meditate. When you talk about meditate to Christians, they thought, Oh dear me, what Eastern religion is this you're talking about now? Well... The word meditate basically means to think hard upon. And you take the scriptures. I like to read the same chapter or book of the Bible for one month. And I read it over and over and over and over and over until I actually understand it. I read it loud sometimes. And I read it to myself sometimes. I like reading it loud because then I see it and I hear it at the same time. And as I continue to do that, the scripture begins to renew my mind. I say, hang on, there's areas here that I need to change. But I'm of that species that don't want to change. But Father, thank you. You've given me the mechanism to change. And I begin to build a stronghold in my mind of obedience. And I begin to meditate upon the Word. And the Word begins to exalt itself in my life. And it becomes a high thought in my life. And my emotions begin to kick in. And I begin to visualize myself doing the will of God. Fulfilling the mind of God for my life. Until it becomes a stronghold that controls my actions. And it becomes a fast track of obedience for God you can just press that button and you'll have my attention you got to live out your dreams imagine yourself living your convictions begin to get attached to your dreams focalize your dreams write them down share them with your best friends even with your brothers and sisters they may put you in a pit, but risk your faith. Because as you begin to vocalize what your belief is, you have to take faith to begin to say this. And as you say it, you hear yourself say it. And you say, all right, I can actually build a belief 
around doing this. And as we do that, we become what God wants us to be. You must consistently confess and behave out of your commitments. I've shared with you tonight, and we had some lighter moments, because we all default at times in serving God. And there's nothing wrong to laugh about yourself or at yourself at times. The important thing is that you are allowing yourself to look at yourself in the mirror. The Bible teaches me that the Word of God is like a mirror. And we look in the mirror. The secret is to make the adjustments when you look in the mirror. Don't turn away from the mirror without making the adjustments. Then you've wasted your time. What I'm asking you to do is to begin to understand that God has given you tools to work with. And you need to take up the weapons of your warfare, for they are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Everyone sitting here tonight have some negative strongholds. You've got to identify them. As I was speaking, Holy Spirit was pointing them out to you. You know where you are failing God. You need to record these failures. And you need to study the Word of God and renew your mind around building a successful life in God. If you refuse to do that, you'll be one of the saints of God who will die in the wilderness. You will not enter in to the promised land. You leave Egypt by desperation. You enter Canaan by decision. You live your life. And you will determine how successful your life becomes. Oftentimes you look at other Christians and how God blessed them and prospered them and you become envious. You don't know how much time they spend in the presence of God. You don't know how much time they spend in the Word of God. You don't know how much time they spend giving in the kingdom of God. All you can see is the results. And you are envious of the results. You don't know what the price is to get the results. There's a price to pay. And if you are willing to pay that price, you can reap those results. Let's pray. If you're saying tonight, Father, I've discovered by your word that I'm not performing at optimum level. Father, I'm performing at 10% or 20% or 30% or 50% or 60% of my ability as your son or your daughter. I've discovered from your scriptures, Father, how I can remedy the situation. But I need you to Start a catalytic work in me. I need Holy Spirit to ignite a fire in me. To begin me on a journey of restoration. Then I want you to stand on your feet. So that we can conclude this meeting in prayer. And we say, Father, in the name of Jesus. That He will begin to touch your life. I want to warn you. This is not a quick fix. I'm not offering you a solution to the problem in the sense that you have nothing to do. I'm praying and asking Father to initiate by His Word, by His Spirit, a road of recovery in your life. But you will have to outwork every step of the way by allowing the Word of God to renew your mind in direct proportion to the purposes of God for your life. If you understand this, I will pray and ask Father to begin to help because too often 
Times of prayer is a cop-out out of responsibility that we need to do. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that by your grace you've given me free access to your throne. I thank you that on the basis of the said blood of Jesus, I'm able to enter into the throne room of the Most High God and share with you, Father, my emotions, my feelings, my desires, my anticipation for every person present here tonight. Father, it's my prayer that Holy Spirit will come and place His finger upon every area of each one of our lives to begin to give us an assignment in the area of recovery, of restoration, of restoring, Father, an area where Satan has successfully penetrated our lives to fast-track us to sin against you. Father, I ask in the area of potential, where we have sinned against you by limiting you access, Father, into our lives to restore us, to bless us. Father, to place your, your tremendous blessings upon our lives. Father, we repent before you. We ask that you forgive us. We ask that you cleanse us in the precious blood of Jesus. We ask, Father, that you ignite within us a passion, a desire, Father, to come in submission to you and to walk in submission to you, Father, and to begin to emulate and simulate Jesus in every way that we could possibly find a way to express His life through our lives. Father, we pray that Holy Spirit will come and help us to find, Father, to discover in Your Word those areas to build in our minds strongholds of obedience Strongholds of submission, strongholds of discipline, Father, strongholds of worship, strongholds of family life, strongholds of holiness, strongholds of worship and praise and adoration, Father, strongholds of financial discipline, so that your name can be exalted and your kingdom extended and the nations of the earth, Father, be touched and blessed. Father, I thank you. For your light will shine upon us in a new way. And you'll be able to touch and take our lives. And touch the nations of the earth, Father. For we've come into a new understanding of what it is that you want us to be and to do. I pray, Father, that Holy Spirit and the Word will shepherd every person into a fresh revelation and understanding of recovery and restoration in the name of Jesus. I pray that a spirit of prophecy will come upon every person to begin to declare prophetically the victory of the Lord. To begin to declare prophetically the victory of the Lord. To begin to declare prophetically, Father, the victory in every area of our lives. Father, I begin to blow in the name of Jesus on the ram's horn of victory. I say in the name of Jesus, victory in the house of God. Victory in the house of God. Victory in the house of God. I declare a season of victory in the house of God. In the name of Jesus, I declare victory in every house. Victory in every life. Victory in every situation. Victory. Victory in Jesus' name. By the power of your word. Father, I thank you. Say, I have sent my word. And my word has saved them from destruction. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. We declare victory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We begin to worship you now. We bless you now. Thank you, Father. Yes, we begin to embrace the victory. We embrace the victory. We sense the victory. All our emotions begin to experience the victory in every area of our lives. We begin to sense the victory in our finances. 
victory in our family life, victory in our place of work, victory in our submission to the Lord, victory in our submission to His servants, victory in our tithing, victory in our giving, victory in the name of Jesus in every area of our lives. Yes, until all the Philistines come to us and say, please depart from us, for you've become too mighty to live in our cities. You are too powerful to be amongst us. Oh, God has favored you terribly. Please depart from us. Father, we thank you that your blessings are awesome. They are terrible. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We bless your name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Amen.